Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Jerry Hamilton of InsideTexas.com and On3 Sports. We're here to talk a little Longhorn football, recruiting, maybe even talk a little hoops. Uh, basketball team getting ready to get going, uh, I think, next week, right, Jerry? Yeah, exhibition game Saturday against Arkansas in the Moody, but uh, November 7th opening date. Open oh, wow. Day. All right. Uh, before we get doing that, I want to say a quick thank you to our uh, sponsor, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas. And not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Uh, Jerry, I tell you what, let's have a little fun tonight. Um, uh, let's start with the uh, Texas football team. They lose on Saturday to Oklahoma State. Not a, not a fun watch uh, after that first half, right? Oh, I, you said a little fun tonight. I thought we were going to do this from the South Carolina locker room. <laughs> well, that would be the visitors' locker room. Right? <laughs> yeah, the South Carolina visitors' locker. We'd, we'd all be. Uh, well, both were fun, uh, I guess. <laughs> I can't believe that. That, I mean, geez, oh, I mean, it, that's got to be. I don't know if that's true, obviously, but but the word I don't either. Is, but, you know. Yeah. Well, the word is yeah, that the three or four A and M players were smoking weed in the opposing locker room either before or after the game on, on Saturday against South Carolina. I don't even know where to start with that. I can't even, I mean, I just, when you think I, you've heard it all, I mean, I, yeah, no, I, I remember whenever you couldn't talk on the bus at a before a game or after, you know, this makes Chris, Boyd's texting, this makes Chris Boyd's texting during a, a loss, uh, like a Swedish massage <laughs> at, at halftime. I mean, yeah. I, you know, where are we going from here? Where are we going from here is the question. <laughs> yeah, uh, but long, long and short of it, uh, Longhorns uh, losing uh, at Oklahoma State, 30, or 40, 41-34. Uh, Texas, uh, <laughs> um, our producer's having fun. Um, our, you know, we look at it, uh, Jerry, and, and that was a, uh, a loss that Texas, a game that Texas could have won all three of the games this year. Uh, Texas could have won those games. Uh, you know, I felt like uh, Quinn Ewers for the second consecutive game had some problems in the second half in particular. Uh, what were your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously, um, I you know, look, there's a lot to dissect with that. Did Quinn have a minor injury? Was the 30-mile-an-hour wind a factor? Should Texas have thrown the ball 50 times in the game, right? They got behind the chain, some pre-snap penalties. Um, you know, should they have forced run even though the box was stacked? I mean, I, you know, it's it's you can go round and round about it, but at the end of the day, Quinn did not have a great performance at all. Um, I'm sure if he was on this live, he'd be the first one to say it. Um, and look, I mean, you know, that's why – that's – we talked about it last week with Ian. I, I didn't. I don't mind a game where he has a couple interceptions. I always said the red zone or interceptions in your on your end of the field early in drives are the killers. Um, and that's what he did the very first drive. First drive, right? First drive, right? Um, you know. And look, I mean, I I don't think it's all on him. I mean, Xavier Worthy's got to be better. He's got to be an all. He's got to play like an All American. I mean, you know, there's. It's it's one thing to want the ball. It's another thing to actually make the play when you get the ball. You know, he's had too many drops this year. So I think it's a, a mixture of everything. But to your point, Quinn did not have the type of performance that we 
ex- come, come, come to expect from him. Probably he expects from himself. Um, and anybody that's watching him and has watched him expects from him. And that's all part of the growing process. Um, and certainly a loss is not on one guy, but in this sport, Losing you a little bit there, Jerry. Lost you just a little bit. Um, yeah. Look, uh, the, the whole the th- the thing with Quinn uh, and what's going on there that that makes me interested in all of this, Jerry. And and what I want to uh, talk about is how much of that is this being the first time he's seeing something new as a deep from a defense. Because I really I chalked so much of this up to that. I mean, this is truly a, a freshman quarterback seeing you know. Pretty, pretty senior defensive coordinators uh, two weeks in a row that have good talent yeah. and know how to pick on a young guy. I mean, they tried to light him up in the first half, and then they tried to drop eight in the second. Yeah. I mean, that's that's and, and even bracketed worthy. So at what point do you just say, okay, this is what it looks like in real life? Uh, Quinn's never seen that before. I mean, how, how do you think of that? Yeah, I think with young quarterbacks, I mean – the Alabama game was moving at a snail's pace for him, right? It was moving slow. Uh, the Oklahoma game, whether that's bad defense, which I think was a lot as part of it, or he's just in a rhythm, that game was moving slow for him after the first series. Um, because I think he's maybe faced the two top defensive coordinators in the league the last two weeks, I think they've caused the game to move fast for him. And you know what? At the end of the day, it's a really good thing for him. That's not what Texas fans want to here when you lose at Oklahoma State in a game you should probably should have won. I mean, I don't know how many games you win on the road where you have 14 penalties and the other team has zero. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing you don't win many of those. But with that said, Texas still should have won the game. Now, Texas has, to, Texas has to go win a game on defense at some point on the road, by the way. By the way, I mean, it, it's like in basketball, you know, shooting doesn't always travel, but your defense does, right? I mean, that's what makes Chris Beard, Chris Beard. And that's what makes, you know, some of those great coaches defensively what they are. At some point, Texas has to go win a game defensively on the road. I don't know if they can. I don't know if they have the, the dudes to do that. I mean, no offense, but, um, you know, maybe against a, a more one-dimensional offense um, with a lesser quarterback. I mean, well, I'll say this, they better do it in two weeks. How about that? <laughs> uh, well, or 10, 10 days, 11 days. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. I'm not, I'm not discounting what you're saying. I just feel like I'm, I'm, we're sitting back watching Texas uh, attempt really uh, to go down uh, and uh, play uh, these quarterbacks that just have more experience than their guy does on the road. It's difficult. Uh, I'm not trying to make excuses because I think Texas needs to win, but Texas doesn't have, they don't have the dudes on defense other than the front two or three. And maybe, maybe you can say Jalen Ford and DeMarvian Overshone are getting there, but the back end right now is, is patchwork um, at best. And it's going to continue to be patchwork, I think through the end of the season. So winning, they they can't just think they're going to win playing defense is my point here. They're going to have to outscore some people uh, down the stretch, period. Right. Now, you would think maybe 34, 34 points would be enough, uh, but, you know, maybe it's not. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any doubt. I mean, look, you don't play well offensively. You score 34 points. Um, 
And at some point, you would like that to be enough to win on the road. I mean, I know it's the Big 12. I know it's college football. Um, it's an offensive world. We talk about it all the time. But at some point, you'd like to see Texas win one of those games on the road and not have to score 42, you know, 41, 42 points to win a road game. And that'll probably happen at Kansas State. So, you know, th that's what will be interesting. Obviously, Adrian Martinez hurt his ankle against TCU. We'll see where he is. He's a guy with a long injury history. I love his competitiveness. We had him in the Under Armour game when I was a part of ESPN and Under Armour games and camps. I love the kid. He's had a long injury history. Uh, he plays with no regard for his body, and uh, we'll see what he's got in the tank uh, in two weeks, especially if he were to give it a go against Oklahoma State. Got it. Um, all right. Let, let's talk a little bit more uh, about, about Texas and the football team recruiting as well. You just broke news on InsideTexas.com. Uh, that uh, the Longhorns are in touch with an Aggie commitment, or is he uncommitted? Former, former Aggie commitment. Former yeah. Aggie commitment, Johnny Bowen's defensive lineman out of San Antonio, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I was just at this Veterans Memorial to check and change people to 2024 running back. Um, Converse Justin's got some good young kids. Stop by there. They have a new coach this year. Mark Soto does a great job. Um, he's a graduate, played on a couple of those state title teams for D.W. Rutledge in the late 80s. Just kids and kind of stumbled into uh, John Bowen. Yeah, Jerry, we're having problems again. I'm, I'm sorry about this, guys, but uh, let me let me take it from here because I talked to Jerry beforehand, and um, he was talking about Johnny Bowen's, uh, the defensive lineman out of uh, San Antonio area. Uh, here he is. Uh, he he's out of Judson, Converse Judson. Uh, used to be a state power. That's kind of peeled back from that in the last decade or so, uh, but still a very good squad. Typically, he was originally committed to Texas A&M, had a Texas offer early, then backed off of it. I know he's visited Oregon as well as some other uh, programs, too. Uh, Jerry was by there today. Jerry, I got you back now. Go ahead and give your spiel on uh, on Johnny. Yeah, yeah. I was just at hitting schools today Went to check out James Peoples uh, Veterans Memorial, talk to the coaching staff about the 2024 running back that Texas offered. Uh, and then stop by Converse Judson. They have a bunch of really good players over there. They aren't what they used to be, as you said. Uh, coach Soto, the new coach, played there in the late 80s for the couple of state title teams. He's going to get that thing back. So stop by there and kind of stumbled into the Johnny Bowens news. Uh, you know, Johnny Bowens is a former Texas A&M commitment. He's, he visited um, Oregon uh, once in the summer and then September 30th on an official visit. He's going to be back at A&M. November 5th for an official visit against uh, for the Florida game. But he talked to Bo Davis last week, and Texas is working to get him up to a game. Looks like it could be November 12th for the TCU game, which will be the last big visit weekend for Texas this season. And Johnny told me today, and it, you can read about it on Inside Texas, he said, I hadn't really given Texas a, a shot. He was at the Texas Tech game in year one under Steve Sarkeesian. Didn't hadn't really given Texas a shot. I think it's been hot, kind of hot and cold from the Texas side, too. He's a kid who's a lot better as a senior in terms of playing hard, snap to snap, than he was as a junior. I think the coaching change has been really beneficial for him. And Texas apparently has really liked the way he's looked the last five, six games this season. Um, so they've made contact with him. They're working to get him up. John Tay Cook's even hit him up, working to get him on campus. Um, it's like it, it's like Johnny said, all the Texas guys are, you know how they are. They're recruiting everybody. Um, so it looks like right now he said today he's going to give Texas a shot. He's going to go up there, talk to Coach Davis, see what they're talking about. That's likely November 12th. We'll see if that comes to fruition because he does go to A&M on the 5th. 
Yeah, I, I want to. While we're talking about that, I want to bring up this question. Thoughts on Jonte Cook deleting all Texas-related posts on it? He's still got his tweet pinned that he's committed to Texas. So what these guys do with their uh, various Instagrams and stuff like that, they they often redress them or whatever. But he's got his commitment tweet pinned. Uh, that's as a good as a sign as anything. I wouldn't read uh, too much into that. Uh, at all. Other recruiting news, uh, Jerry, that you want to get into today. Uh, it looks like November 12th for TCU is the big, next big visit weekend. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Deuce Robinson, official visit, uh, five-star on three consensus, five-star tied in out of Phoenix Pinnacle High. Uh, that's a USC-led big start the season. I think Georgia's at least closed the gap, if not er, a little bit in the lead. Also made an official to Alabama. He officially visited Georgia, uh, Georgia September 24th, Alabama October 8th. He's going to be at Texas November 12th. Then he's going to go to Oregon uh, before he makes that decision. But, look, he's one of the top uh, players left on the board for the Longhorns. Um, there's some family connections in Texas. I still think Texas has a ways to go in this recruitment. But, look, you get a five-star kid on campus, the way the tight end's being used, um, you'll see what happens. Uh, I think Jeff Banks is – recruited Arizona successfully for many years now. Um, obviously, Steve Sarkeesian has tons of connections. But more than that, it's, you know, look, the quarterback play, future quarterback play, tight ends, the way they're used in the offense. Um, it's hard to beat Georgia in that regard right now. But that may be the only program that you could argue is using tight ends better of the schools that this kid, that Deuce is uh, considering. We believe DeAndre Moore, uh, the Louisville, current Louisville verbal, on three consensus four-star receiver out of St. John Bosco, Inside Texas believes November 12th is his likely official visit date as well. He'll be at Georgia November 5th, um, and then he comes to Texas on the 12th more than likely. Then we'll see what happens from there with DeAndre Moore. But, Bobby, you you mentioned it on the show, one of the shows two or three weeks ago, and I, I think it's spot on. Texas is looking for a replacement for Jordan Whittington. And it looks like right now DeAndre Moore and Jaden Greathouse are the two guys they're targeting. And Greathouse obviously is committed to Notre Dame and is a longer shot than DeAndre Moore is currently. What what do you make, Jerry, of the uh, uh, Cedric Baxter visiting uh, Florida State this coming weekend? Yeah, I think um, I think Ced will visit Florida State. Obviously, that news is out. I expect him to take an official of Florida, too. I mean, look, I have a different take or perspective on this. Um, one, nothing's ever done till these kids sign. That's the one thing that has never changed in recruiting and will never change about recruiting. Until the letter of intent is in, these recruitments are not over. And if you're Florida State and you're Florida, if you're not putting everything you have into recruiting the number one running back in the country, sitting at Edgewater High in Orlando, it's probably a fireball offense. <laughs> if you're not staying on that guy and recruiting him through the whistle, you don't let Texas or anybody else just come in and sign that guy, and you don't fight till the end. That's not the way this goes. That Texas is recruiting the correct players, and they're going to be battles, and those battles are going to go into December because those schools aren't going to give up. And if they walked away, their alumni would be wanting answers. I mean, no, neither program has a running back like Cedric Baxter right now. And no, no, that, you, yeah. you don't let the guy walk. You, you fight until the end. And I think as long as Tashar Choice – and Cedric Baxter have a really good relationship. I like Texas' chances. But, again, these kids, nothing's over till they sign. Um, and it, it'll be some tense moments because that's recruiting. 
Um, for the Texas, the newer fans to tech to recruiting guys on inside Texas, newer to recruiting. Bobby has millions of stories. I have a lot of stories. It's always been this way. The bet, the bluest of the blue chips, they're going to be battles until the end. And if they're not, you're not recruiting the right players. Let me ask you this. I'm, I'm looking at the Big 12 schedule coming up. Let's skip around a little bit, talk about some different things. The Big 12 schedule this weekend. Tell me who you got in this one. TCU goes to West Virginia. 11 a.m. start at West Virginia. You think TCU, that might be a tough one? Nah, TCU. Too much confidence, too much skill. Great matchup for TCU. How, how many do you think they should be favored by? I think they'll win by a couple of touchdowns. I think they're that confident. Only seven and a half point favorites. Yeah. I thought they would be 10 plus points. I mean, now I haven't checked weather reports or anything like that. For yeah, example. well, West Virginia got slaughtered at Tech last week. Right. I, I, mean, I think so, TCU's going to beat them up. I think it's interesting just how much um, weight goes to the home opponent in the Big right. 12. Right. Uh, I, I, I've noticed in that Oklahoma at Iowa State. Which one? Where you want to go that way? I think Matt Campbell's due. I mean, it, it's a total coin flip, but I think Matt Campbell's due to win a game. Yeah, I, I think so too. That's, an, that's another 11 o'clock start. Iowa State's favored by one. So I, I'm going to go Iowa State there. I'm, I'm going to go – I don't know why. I'm thinking Oklahoma, that, by the way, Oklahoma's defense is just what Iowa State needed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's – yeah. Well, Iowa State has a quarterback, you know, right. halfway to – so, hey, um, Oklahoma State goes to K-State. K-State is favored by a point and a half. I'll take Oklahoma State all day on that one. I mean, Martinez, if he plays, is going to be limited. Um I just totally trust Spencer Sanders on the road because Oklahoma State doesn't have the running game they used to take on the road, right? And that could be a potential issue for them. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm really betting against Mike Gundy at this point. He's the best coach in the league. Hey, uh, by the way, I, I messed up. Uh, OU is favored by one, not Iowa State. Okay. But but that's, that's very interesting. That's the only um, road team that is favored is Oklahoma. The last one, and this is a really interesting matchup to me. Baylor at four and three, and Texas Tech at four and three. Baylor, the Bears go to Lubbock. Um, Texas Tech favored by two and a half. I kind of like Tech in this because they, I think they have a little more juice on offense. I, I just think Baylor. I, I like Blake Shapen. I like his upside. Um, I don't like the guys he has to throw the ball to this year for Baylor. I think that's a big drop off for the Bears. Um, I think you've seen Matt Rule recruited speed really, really well, and those guys have now gone. They've exited the program, um, and it doesn't look the same to me in skill positions. Well, I think that people are now accustomed. They're, they're prepared for what Baylor's doing on offense, too, a yeah. lot better than they were a year ago. Um, a lot of teams got taken by surprise and didn't work on it all. Uh, not, I wouldn't say they didn't work on it all offseason, but you don't necessarily – when, when a team is two and nine the pre previous season, it's not one of the five or six teams that you circle to make sure you're ready for. And right? I, I, by the way, with the Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? 
No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You knew Joey McGuire was going to have Texas Tech and Lubbock up for the Texas game. If he beats Texas and Baylor this year, he may as well say he went 12-0 and 0 in his mind. <laughs> <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> this, is, this is Super Bowl number two for Coach McGuire. Hey, does he get TCU in, in Lubbock also? I mean, my goodness. <laughs> it, he, he would have all four home games. Then he had a, next year it's going to be all four on the road. Yeah, yeah. get him um, this year. But uh, Tech favored by two and a half. I don't know which way to go because I think Baylor – you know, both teams have a semblance of a defense, but neither are just stout. You know, um, I, I don't know where, I don't know which way I would go, but that's, those are two, those are good matchups. TCU at West Virginia. I think TCU kind of a prohibitive favorite. Oklahoma goes to Iowa State. Uh, Oklahoma State at Kansas State. And then Baylor at Texas Tech. Ooh, that's a night game, Baylor at Tech. There's going to be some tortillas flying uh, in Lubbock. That's for sure. I mean, just, just think about yeah. that. Um, you know, Jerry, we, we talk about all this and, and mention uh, the Longhorns as, as off week. What do you think of their, their thinking this off week? Uh, practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, return on Sunday, I think, for, for team meetings. It's a lighter week. Uh, they need to get healthy. Uh, what, what, are your, what are the two of things, three things you think the Longhorns need to focus on this week? I, I think there's – I think the three things I'm – kind of focused on with them is, uh, look, they're it's going to be a rough week, right? I mean, that, you have to win out now to get to the Big 12 championship game. That was a that was a big game last Saturday. No way around it. That's why everybody took it so hard. They know. They know what they're up against now. Um, I, I think the rest of the season for Quinn Ewers is huge. You know, we knew it was going to be a tough with that defense. And he, uh, the great defensive coordinator – and they're, they're probably as disciplined as any defense in the Big 12. Then Oklahoma State, you know, did not play well, whether it's win, whether it's something else, whatever it is, didn't play well. So now how he responds to this, he's got an off week to forget about it, move on, right, and get prepared for Kansas State. Um, how he plays the rest of the I think only for him – not only this season, but going into the spring and, and next season. I mean, uh, it's part of the process. Uh, all these guys, Colt McCoy, they all had bad games, right? But he needs to really bounce back and play well the next couple of games. Uh, Kansas State, TCU. He needs to bounce back and play well and get in that groove again, get that game moving slow again. I think that's one. Um, I think two offensive lines struggled last week. I thought they maybe took a step back and then maybe they played the best edge players in the conference, um, but they took a step back. And I think it's a great coaching. You know. All right. I'm going to take over for you because you're going in and out again, Jerry, but that's weird. I, I get it. I, I think you're right about uh, the, the, the problem on the offensive line. I, I've got your back now, Jerry. Yeah. yeah um, so I didn't think they played as well. And then look, I mean, guys just, you're worthy. I mean, I can't believe touched the ball five times Saturday, which I find amazing. But um, Xavier, whether it's Xavier Worthy, whether it's the corners, whether it's the safeties, some skilled guys have to step up and make some big plays against Kansas State. They have to. I mean, they 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 really have to miss. All right, Jerry, I'm I'm losing you a little bit, bud. Um, I, I think they have to step up. 
in part, in part because uh, Roshan and Bijan did. Uh, they did their part, and then Texas went away from the run a little bit in the second half because Oklahoma State started being able to play that uh, counter uh, really well and uh, played it uh, better than what Texas was getting at. Um, I'm going to go on into some uh, questions and answers as well uh, here because I actually know some of these answers. Any update on Vosick and Hill? And when is the last time you all seen Texas recruit the country this hard, not just the state? I don't ever remember Texas so spread out. So uh, Vosick and well, let me start with Vosick. Um, Justin uh, Wells of Inside Texas went by uh, Westlake last Wednesday, uh, met with Vosick. He is firmly considering uh, Texas right now, as well as Oklahoma. He's also still talking to Oregon, but I think Oregon's on the out right now. I think it's really Texas and OU. Um, given that, I, I, I feel good about where Texas sits right now. I don't think anybody uh, in Norman is confident. I'll put it that way. Even though uh, they may act it or say it to his to Colton Vosick's face, it's just not, I, you know, He's starting to feel the love a little bit from uh, his native land, I guess is the best way to put it. And uh, that's pushing him uh, more and more to Texas. Uh, I think he's starting to feel that they really want him as opposed to they they would automatically get him because his dad was a Longhorn. I think that kind of idea has gone by the wayside. And it does not hurt that he's seen Ethan Burt see the field as a true freshman, his former teammate. At Westlake, uh, Jerry, what's the latest on Anthony Hill for you? Well, yeah, I want to mention Vosick too because something else interesting at Converse Judson today, Bobby. I was talking to Anthony Evans, the uh, the four star wide receiver commitment for Oklahoma. He told me he's making an official visit to Georgia November fifth. So that's another kid that's bucking the uh, no visit policy. Um, so again, I mean, yeah, will we see Colton Vosick at another Texas game this year? Two home games left. We'll see. Um, we, we shall see if we see him another game. I, and I, I concur with you on Vosick and Texas. I think things are trending a little bit for Texas there. Uh, I still think it takes a while to play out, obviously. Uh, but I think the Texas staff's probably happy with the communication and where things seem, seemingly are headed right now. Anthony Hill, look, I mean, these are recruit through the whistles. David Hicks, Anthony Hill, Texas is in communication with both, have been this week, have been over the weekend. Uh, Texas has not given up on these guys, um, and uh, we'll, we'll see how things play out. I know everybody just jumps to the conclusion automatically that, well, what happened with those freshman kids at A&M? Uh, the latest report, well, these guys just won't go there. Well, there's also freshmen that are happy there, too. So, I mean, you know, you got to see how things play out. Um, the biggest thing I think, Hurdle, I, I think A&M faces is not as much as what's been reported has happened last weekend at South Carolina, but how many more games is A&M going to win? I mean, they they look like they're looking five and seven in the face right now, if not four and eight. I mean, you know, the, the, their whole key is if if they lose Saturday the Ole Miss, how many of these does a Devin A. Shane say, I'm just going to get ready for the draft? I mean, you just don't know anymore in college football what these kids are going to do. So I think more than, you know, I think it all is kind of making it better for Texas when you're trying to go after a David Hicks or an Anthony Hill. Nothing's set in stone. Nothing's done. These neither we're not hearing either one of these guys is about to decommit uh, from Texas A&M. These are going to be recruiting battles all the way until they sign. No different than a Cedric Baxter. No different than Colton Vosick. That's just the way these are going to be. If anybody thinks A&M's not on these guys, uh, Jerry. Uh, the other question. I, I hope you, you're able to get back on and get 
get a good connection because the other one I wanted to ask you that, that uh, they asked is about uh, how much Texas is recruiting nationally. Um, we've, you know, we've never seen Texas really go to Florida, maybe one time under uh, Charlie Strong. Uh, but other than that, I mean, Florida, Georgia, um, California, they're, they're, the staff is everywhere because they've got those kind of connections, right? Uh, Jerry, you need to go to the car, man. <laughs> that, that may be, that may be what needs to happen with Jerry. Um, I, look, I mean, my, my, my take on all of this is that I, I've been around for, I, I've been doing this for 30 years and Texas is recruiting more nationally. And I do think, uh, that it's going to be, uh, more and more, uh, about, uh, going nationally to supplement what Texas is getting, uh, from the state of Texas, because, increasingly uh, other teams are coming in and poaching Texas talent and not just the, the not just the okay guys, uh, but the really, really good players. And so Texas has to mitigate that by going elsewhere themselves. Um, you can lose a Reuben Owens, uh, the, the uh, running back out of El Campo, uh, if you go get Cedric Baxter, right? I mean, and so that those things happen and you have to, uh, be ready for them. And, and Texas actually wanted Baxter over Owens. And so whether he's from Orlando, Florida or El Campo, Texas, doesn't really matter. Uh, I think that that these coaches make or uh, create relationships with the players themselves and uh, choose that way. Uh, I'm looking at it right now, uh, and we've got a bunch of different questions up here. Uh, we talked a little bit about the A&M situation, and I'll go a little bit further into that about, you know, exactly uh, – what we're what we're talking about here um a&m right now is at three and four on the season uh they have umass on their schedule that'll be a fourth win but they've got still they've got left uh Ole miss which is going to be a tough one for them uh, i think they're going to be pretty good but i don't know how much they can score against Ole miss uh they've got lsu obviously which lsu's playing a good brand of ball right now that's going to make a&m really difficult to win that game uh, Auburn is a winnable game uh, for Texas A&M, although Auburn's got a pretty good defense. Uh, and so you'll have to wait and see exactly uh, what takes place there. Uh, but beyond that, and this is where I really want to get into the thought process. Uh, oh, Florida, they have a chance to play Florida, but it's, it's, you know, Florida's hit or miss. So you look at those five games there. I think, um, Four of them are theoretically winnable. I don't think the LSU game for them right now is winnable. Uh, but more than that, I don't necessarily want to focus on AM as much as what does this mean for the potential of portal players and guys going into the portal that Texas might be interested in. And, you know, AM folks are sitting there saying the same thing about Texas guys or OU guys or LSU guys or anything like that. <clears throat> The reality of it is, is that you don't know which ones Texas would want at this point. Um, is it going to fit with the other players and what they need as a team? It's not just, oh, he's a great player. Let's go get him. It's going to be more in the neighborhood of these are the guys that we need to fill our current roster. Um, Jerry, we're talking about A&M's uh, issues like we were earlier. And my question to you is, you know, Texas doesn't just want every A&M player that goes into the portal. So how do you, how, how do you kind of 
think about that when you're, you're start talking about A&M riding a three game losing streak, et cetera. Yeah, I think, I think in, in general, I mean, I, I was talking to a college coach about this today. Um, and I, and I specifically called to ask him about the portal and he was like, his take on it was pretty successful coach. His take on it was, I am not going to back away from my culture that I'm creating and winning with for a very talented player. Not going to do it. And, and I really think that's what the portal is in so many cases. Um, take out Alabama, though. I mean, look, he can get four of whoever he wants every year, five whoever he wants every year. So take them out of the equation. But after that, you really have to evaluate these guys. Um, if you're building, and I'm not the biggest culture guy as far as the term, but it's a reality in the way these coaches are building programs and the way they think about their building programs. You cannot just, this is not collecting talent. This is still building a team. And you have to take the right fits, especially for Texas headed into year three under Steve Sarkeesian. You if you get the, if you go seven and five this year, maybe eight and four. Eight and four is really what they need. But say you go seven and five or eight and four, and you're starting to see signs of winning that little battle, and you're building your culture and, and you're turning the corner. The last thing you want to do is just take the most talented guys. I mean, you can take a couple of those guys, but you can't take six, seven, eight. You can't put all those guys in your locker room. It just doesn't work that way. So I think the toughest thing with the portal is those decisions and weighing. Building a team versus collecting talent. If you think you're close to finishing your team build, then you can go after one or two guys and say, okay, they have to fit into what we're doing. Um, but you have to really evaluate the player or the person a, a off the field more than the player on the field. I, I just think it's vital. Um, you mentioned that Steve Sarkeesian uh, last week said that Ajay Hall likely redshirting. He clearly didn't fit the culture at the outset, had some run-ins. Um, uh, and, you know, he's he's sitting out a year. So do you take guys like that that may be able to redshirt potentially? Or are, are, is the portal such a um, vehicle that you want to only go after guys that are immediate impact guys for you? I, I think the last – four games of the regular season are going to dictate that for Sarkeesian. I really do. I mean, if you get the eight wins or eight and four, you improve three wins. Um, there's not as much pressure on you going into year three. If you stumble, really stub your toe, end up six and six, um, then you may have to run that risk, you yeah. know, a little bit more. I, I really think these last, how this season ends is going to have an impact on a couple of those decisions. Yeah. Uh, speaking with Jerry Hamilton of Inside Texas uh, and on three, uh, this show is brought to you by Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. When Energy Texas becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the great state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Try it out. EnergyTexas.com. Um, Jerry, we go with through all of this and talk about portal and needs. Uh, you and I have talked about this until we're blue in the face. Defensive linemen up front, three guys graduating. They're going to need some defensive linemen most likely. 
still don't have an edge rusher that's got seasoning to him that is elite. Baron Sorrell has come in. Sorrell has played well, but he's still not an elite edge rusher, right? But do those guys even come available in the portal? Good question. Yeah. Um, linebacker, going to need somebody to pair with uh, Jalen Ford, most likely. And then in the secondary, safety, cornerback, I mean – we don't know who's going to be any good right now because they're getting ready to find out. Uh, Keaton Crawford has not looked good this season, and he would be the third safety. Uh, yet, you know, he, he's not looked good. They're playing Michael Taffy a lot. He's a walk-on. I'm not saying he's not a, a good player or what have you, but uh, – and then at corner, you you definitely lose to Sean Jamison, and nobody's really stepped in there. Jameer Johnson hasn't looked great. Austin Jordan – has looked like a player, but he hasn't looked great. Um, Terrence Brooks, we hear a lot about, but haven't really seen much to, to this point. And Jalen Gilbo is okay, but he hasn't looked any great shakes either. So I look at the I look at the portal right now, and I think it has to be defense heavy without question, right? Yeah, no question. And and by the way, one, one thing we need to mention on Vosick, we all we're always when we're talking about Vosick's recruitment, we're talking about well, you know, he's seeing Ethan Burke play, um, Connor Robertson's play. But hey, let's point out one other thing. If you're an edge prospect as a senior in high school right now, if you have any confidence at all in yourself, your view on Texas right now may be different than it was headed into the season. You may be like, nobody's really taken that by the reins. I have a chance to go in and do it. So that's the other side with the Vosick conversation. But, yeah, to Portal, absolutely. Um, I, I – I don't think interior defensive line. I don't – those guys generally aren't going to jump in the portal, the ones you really want at that position. Those guys are a premium at the college level. So I think save D-line, which is going to be high school and junior college, um, then edge, linebacker, safety, corner. I think all of those are portal candidates, and more than likely you're going to see Texas take at least one guy out of the portal with all those positions. So they Texas offered a junior college guy last week, right? I mentioned yeah. – yeah, yeah, Derek Hunter, he's at Heinz Community College. He signed with Texas A&M. Um, the kicker there is, you know, you got to have the transferable hours at Texas. And that and that's kind of the thing right there. Um, they offered Derek Hunter. He's a, he, he would be a big 6'4", 300-pound body, which I think is important uh, that Texas needs with some of the guys they're losing. But, you know, then it gets down to can you get the kid to school. Um, and, and that, I think, is to be determined how this semester goes. Oh, interesting. So he's got to he's got to finish up his uh, uh, hours strong and and be able to do that. Then, yeah. um, it, you know, it's interesting because the other schools he's considering are SEC schools, and the SEC still has a rule, I think, about recruiting guys out of Mississippi junior colleges that make it a little bit more difficult for them to sign uh, with SEC schools than it does for other schools, right? Yeah, I think so. And you know, look, Tennessee is the competition. He was there for the Alabama game. Uh, Rodney Garner's been on him for a while. Auburn's been in and out of that recruitment, um, to your point, I think. Um, so I, I think, yes, to, to answer your question, yes. Um, it's not stopping Tennessee from going after him. Um, so we, we shall see what happens there at the end of the day. Um, but he's a kid that if Texas stays engaged there, I think they'll get him on campus and are very much a player if they think they can get him into school. Got it. Um, Jerry, talk, talk a little bit uh, as we, you know, you said defensive line, linebacker one at least. Um, yeah, I do too. Uh, the, then defensive back. I mean, how many there? I mean, one safety at least, right? You would think. I, I would, 
Yeah, I would think. Even and, with Derek Williams and those guys coming in and Jamel Johnson, those guys, you still need it. You got to have a guy that's ready to go. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely think. I mean, at the end of the day, they need, they need playmakers. And how many times is a freshman safety really a playmaker? I mean, that takes a pretty special dude, right? Malachi Starks is doing it at Georgia a little bit. But those are few and far between as a true freshman at safety. Um, so, yeah, I, I think uh, – I, I think safety for sure. They they need uh, they need a ball hawk. They need a guy that just makes plays on the ball and can finish a play with the ball in his hands. Um, and that's a big need for Texas. Um, so I think yes, I think safety. I think corner. I think the interesting thing though is you know where do Austin Jordan and Terrence Brooks play next year? I would think one stays at corner and one probably moves to safety, and we'll see how that shakes out in the spring. Uh, I think both those guys have bright futures, but both those guys don't have bright futures at corner. Somebody's going to have to move off that position. Yeah, I, I think it has to. I'm uh, going to take a couple of questions. If you have questions right now, please put them in the chat and we'll get to them as quickly as possible. going to do a little rapid fire here. Um, here we go, Jerry, for you. Uh, yeah, I, I – I, I think Burr, I think Voss, I think they're different players. You know, I think they play different sides, um, you know. Um, uh, and I think that's why the fit may be there for Vosick a little bit too, right? I, I think one of the issues would be if they were coming in to play the same position at the same school. So it's obvious Texas has designs on them playing opposite each other. Else I don't think that recruitment would be moving forward right now. Yeah, I, I would agree with that as well. I mean, I think – I don't think they're they're recruiting uh, that right now at all. Um, got a question from the Inside Texas Message Boards. Uh, what's the latest on Troy O'Meara? Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. Bobby, I, I, I mean, I, I don't have anything really on Omir other than, you know, there's not confidence in him to put him out there in situations where the ball's coming his way, for sure, early in a game. I mean... You know, uh, by the way, I thought one of the best things we saw in the Oklahoma State game was Brennan Thompson getting a touch and showing he has real speed, by the way. Um, I thought that was the thing we should, probably should have touched on or I should have touched on. But Troy O'Meara, I don't have the answer. I, I wish I had the answer. I don't have the answer. The question is, is he ever going to be the same player? Chances are he's not. Can he develop into a red zone threat? A, I mean, it would be nice if Quinn had that guy to throw the ball to with that catch radius on third and eight. But you got to have confidence in him. Um, in game situations, yeah, I'll try to answer Omir a, a little bit. Uh, I, he, he is still, he is not a smooth runner right now, unfortunately. Uh, he, he has got flypaper for hands and some of the best hands on the team. Uh, but right now, he's just not a fluid athlete like he once was, and he has never been a burner, right. uh, in the first place. So you were talking about a 4-6, 4-6-5, maybe even a 4-7 guy, but he could get away with that because he was so such a physical mismatch, and he had some sneaky quickness and athleticism to him. A little bit different now when he may be 4-8, 4-9, uh, just to be honest, because I, I think that's a, a real issue, uh, and we'll have to wait and see uh, what, what the deal is. All right, 
get this one for you. All right, there you go. Was it the win that got to Quinn? I'll let you go first, Bobby. I thought it was per, part of it. I we I watched the game third time this morning, actually, uh, third time through, and uh, I definitely think it was part of it, uh, without question. I sat there and watched his hair blow in the wind at the very first play. They, they showed a close-up of him on the very first throw. He, he missed that short ball uh, to, uh, to Xavier Worthy. And in it, you see you see him. They did a close-up of Quinn. His hair is like going every which direction. It had some effect. I don't it, know it, if it had as much effect as the case as the uh, Oklahoma State secondary and pass rush. So here's what here's my thoughts. I think it had an effect. Um, I think what made it look like a larger effect was Oklahoma State hit him early, and I think while he stayed in the pocket. You know, Quinn has always been a guy that's been able to make back foot throws whenever he felt like it. And I think making back foot throws with a 30-mile-an-hour, 20, 30-mile-an-hour crosswind is a total different game, especially when you've been getting hit. And while he – so he didn't leave the pocket. He didn't show really minus signs in that regard, but he didn't – he wasn't stepping up into the pocket like you ideally stepping into the throws like you ideally have to do in a 20, 30 mile hour crosswind. He's always been able to get away with throwing off his back foot because he has an arm talent that's very few guys do. They they all play on Sundays at a high level. But this was the first time where I think that kind of back foot tendency uh, was a negative. People want to know how the basketball scrimmage was it against U of H? Was against U of H, yeah. I mean, best this U of H best team Kelvin Sampson's had on paper. Uh, they're ranked one, two, three preseason. Uh, I picked them to go to the Final Four. Look, the, the thing people have to understand is people are scoreboard hunting in these scrimmages, but that doesn't mean the staffs are. I mean, you play, you know, a twenty-minute half, then you play a ten-minute controlled scrimmage, then you play situational. So a score at the end. It may not be indicative because you may be playing combinations. You might be working on rotations. Uh, you putting guys in a position to fail to see, you know, how, if they're going to pass the test, right? But what I got was Texas and Houston played pretty even for most of that scrimmage. Um, and that Tyrese Hunter was tremendous. He was four of eight from three, from what I gathered. He looked like a first-team all-Big 12-level point guard. If he shoots threes well, if he can hit 35 36%, watch out. Uh, so Jabari Rice is going to be steady. Um, confident, consistent contributor on both ends. He's the best communicator in the program. Dylan Mitchell flashed. Um, Texas rim protection, there's a lot of ways to define rim protection. I'll say this, Texas rim protection is going to be a little better than people think because DeSue's healthier and Dylan Mitchell's a weak side shot blocker. Um, and even an Alex Anamakwe in a small role is going to be a, is going to change some shots because he's really bouncing. He's got long arms. So they're going to protect the rim better, but what they do lack, and we talk about on Inside Texas all the time, is that 6'9", 260-pound wall in the paint. They lack that, so they're going to have to be really good protecting the rim with athleticism. Um, I'm going to try to get this right. Jabari Rice, New Mexico State. Correct. Originally from uh, the Willow Ridge? Fort Bend Marshall. Fort Bend Marshall. Fort Bend Marshall, okay. One of the new schools, the newer schools, I guess. It's been 10, 15 years probably. Um, and then um, out in that area of town. And then uh, Tyrese Hunter was from Iowa State, but he's from the Chicago area. He's from Racine, right? Racine, Wisconsin. Oh, okay, yeah. So yep. that's across just across the state line. Yeah, uh, yep. in Wisconsin. All yep. right. Um, I'm just trying to get that. And then Dylan Mitchell, of course, is the highly rated uh, freshman that uh, 
is uh, everybody has been raving about. And by uh, the way, I'll, I'll add that Arterio Morris has had a great last three weeks of the summer. That's carried over the practices. Him not having to play with the ball in hand running a team, I think, has really helped him at Texas thus far. That's why the Tyrese Hunter was big for this year's team, but also big for Ty for Arterio's development. He's making some a lot of plays in transition. Texas is going to play a quicker pace this year. For people that don't believe that, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, they're going to play three and a half, four and a half possessions quicker with this team than last year's team. Part of it's just the parts. Uh, you know, Tyrese Hunter is a fast player with the ball. Arterio Morse is an athletic guy. Dylan Mitchell's an athletic guy. Marcus Carr and Jabari Rice are going to play faster on the wings than Ramey and Andrew Jones are willing to. So they're going to play at a quicker pace. Now they have to rebound for it to really come through. Yep, I got you. All right, question for you. I, I had to look up this term. Texas fan, thank you, Edward, for the donation. Uh, Texas fan in Southern Cal, class of 98, do you all think Texas fans have a microwave mentality in terms of Texas success? So microwave mentality, I don't know. I, I kind of understood it, but I hadn't heard it before. Americans have developed what has been called a, quote, microwave mentality. We like quick service, instant food, and fast results. I think that describes Texas fans pretty well. <laughs> they, want, they want quick service, instant, and success, uh, fast. Well, um, And yeah. I do think that it takes longer than that. Uh, in particular, I... I mentioned this with Quinn as it related to him and his development. I mean, you cannot expect a quarterback for the first time he sees some of these defenses to pick them apart like nobody's business. He beat Alabama and Oklahoma because those two teams like to play a lot of man. He's yep. seen man coverage his entire life. He, he, it is the first time he's seen drop eight. They don't drop eight against South Lake Carroll. I got, <laughs> I got news for you. I mean, so I, I think that, Yes, uh, I think Texas fans can have a microwave mentality, uh, and they they do it not just in football. They do it in every sport because, look, uh, Texas fans are used to being uh, really good, and that's part of the – comes with the territory. I don't think anybody necessarily uh, apologizes for that either. Well, and I think what makes that magnified is the way Texas keeps losing games on the road or losing leads or not scoring in the second half with a great offensive mind. I, I think that – exasperates it and I don't can't blame him for that I mean it's hard to watch this the same loss happen repeatedly that's yeah. the toughest thing on fans if you go get blown out one game then you're in it the next game you're up and you lose a lead that's one thing but it consistently lose the same way that's tough on a fan base because you yeah. because because that's when it becomes tougher to really see that light at the end of the tunnel uh, under a coaching staff. So that's something that, you know, Sark, Sark's got to battle through. And they, you know, in 10 days, they need to change that. They and they need to change that this season. That doesn't need to be a next season it's going to get better thing. they got two road games left. Change it this season. It needs to. Jerry, which of the freshmen do you see, see getting more playing time after the bye? I have one that, that I'm, I'm thinking might. Go ahead. Terrence Brooks. Uh, I mentioned yeah. that in my article this morning. I, I, I hear that he's getting a little deeper look um, as they try to wind their way through so many different guys right now uh, in the secondary with either injuries. Jaron Thompson was banged up. Ryan Watts had a hamstring. Uh, Anthony Cook's out with a, a broken forearm. Uh, you know, what, what are you thinking? You hear I, I, think, I think Terrence Brooks has the ability to stay attached. And I think that's going to win out and get him on the field more uh, these last four games. I think Brennan Thompson. Look, I mean, here's the thing. Um, Texas does need a third option 
I really think that's become apparent. I mean, I don't know if Jordan winning is 100%. It doesn't necessarily look like it. Um, and he's a guy who's kind of like Adrian Martinez. He's always been hurt, right? I mean, so – and you're getting to that point where a Whittington could be banged up a little bit. He blocks – he does everything. Everything's physical in the way he plays. I think Brennan Thompson is going to get more touches and needs more touches. They need his speed. They need him to crease one for 70 yards. They need one of those big plays that's catch it short and you end up with a 60, 70-yard touchdown. So I think those are the two guys. Um uh, that you're going to see uh, more of, and let's see how Hayden Connors' health goes. I mean, could you see, could you see Neto play some at guard? Because is DJ yeah. Campbell ready? It doesn't look like he's ready. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. All right, here's a question: uh, Malik Muhammad and Derek Williams still solid commits. Just like Muhammad is definitely visiting other places, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's supposed to be at AM this weekend, uh, Alabama. See what happens. Uh, I, I expect him to make a visit there in December before signing. They could it change? Sure. Uh, Derek Williams, look, I mean, I, I think the – I'm not sure Alabama's really in it. I don't think A&M's really in it. I know LSU's not giving up on him. Why would they? You want to talk about a program, you're seeing some struggles, a lot of struggles at A&M, seeing struggles at Oklahoma. Texas is kind of – the light switch is flickering a little bit, right, especially when they go on the road. But LSU – is making some strides. Now, they have a big one Saturday night, right? I mean, if 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 Brian Kelly beats Alabama, all bets are off. Recruiting state of Louisiana. I mean, uh, let's be real. I mean, let's just put it out there. I mean, he may not have been a fit when they hired him, but if that guy goes and beats Alabama and he's sitting there seven and two, it becomes a tougher state to recruit in. All right. What's the record we need to add to this class and keep it together? You've talked about this ad nauseum. I was at seven and five preseason um, is what I projected this team to be. And I thought they could get to eight with a bowl win. You said eight and four, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. and think still think that's where they need to be. I, I do for maximize, to maximize your opportunities. I mean, a three win difference is a big difference in year two. It's a big difference because if you're eight and four in the regular season versus seven and five, you're ranked. You're being talked about. I know it's one game, but it's amazing what happens the way you're being – the perception is of your program headed into next year, headed into the offseason. Well, you were ranked. I mean, Texas got to be ranked. They've improved by three games. Uh, they have a left tackle that's going to be a first-round pick. The quarterback should be a first-round pick. You know, they have they have the talent uh, is coming into the program on the offensive side, the young offensive line. I mean, there's so many things that go with it, and that doesn't even get in – People are thinking they close at the 2023 class, but that's a big, that's big for your 2024 class. Just the positive momentum, all the positive articles written. I mean, it's just amazing what one game does there from seven and five and eight and four and just changes the perception. Um, doesn't mean it's a reality, but this is a recruiting's a perception game until you make it reality. Um, and so I I think seven and five is okay. That's a two-game improvement. Um, but eight and four, that really takes away negative recruiting, if you ask me. Let me ask you this. This is interesting. Um, Baylor and Penn State went from ground zero after major scandals and turned their programs around while Texas doesn't. You know what? I, I'll say this. Um, both of them had scandals I would never want to see the University of Texas have, first of all. Let's, let's start with that. Uh, second of all, um, I think that you could say that they've turned it around, but have they really? 
is my question. Baylor won the championship last year. They're four and three this year. I don't know that they may be seven and five this year at best. Um, I'm just putting that out there. So I, I don't feel like they're all of a sudden some juggernaut just because they won the championship last year um, where they had a couple of classes. I mean, they're, they're still reaping the benefits of uh, Matt Rule's recruiting. Penn State has not won the Big Ten, to my knowledge. Maybe did they they may have went to the Rose Bowl once and lost to, oh, uh, lost to USC, but they, they haven't exactly – I mean, they're a top 15, top 10 program. They're not to the promised land either. Um, good programs, don't get me wrong, or Penn State in particular, but I don't think Baylor is, is necessarily – should be the shining light for what Texas wants to be when it comes to a program at this point. Well, I think so much of it is, you know, is timing too. Um, you know, not to take away from the job Matt Rule did, right? But Oklahoma was really good, obviously. Texas has not been. Um, Texas Tech, and you know, I mean, Gundy's wildly consistent in Oklahoma State. More, he does, but he does. Better job than he'll ever give be given credit for. Just because his record against Oklahoma is not what you ideally want, that guy's done a great job there. Um, TCU, you know, was starting to go down under Gary, right? I mean, so Baylor, they had some great timing there. Not taking away from Matt, what Matt Rule did, he brought physicality and speed to a program. If you bring physicality and speed to a program, you're going to win games. I mean, that, that's the one thing that hasn't changed about football. Um, so he did a great job in evaluation. He did a great job of getting those kids to really max out playing physical and fast. And he deserves credit for that. But some of that was timing too. Um, Penn State, I mean, it's week to week whether their fan base is happy with James Franklin at this point. I, I know. That's what I'm trying to say. People don't realize. They, they, they look at it. Um, a lot of people nationally look at Texas and they say, oh, they're five and three. They, they were bad last year. They, their fan base has to be happy now. Right. right? Um, people look at. I've been doing this nationally, not just at Texas. And people look at, at Penn State and see them win a big game or score a bunch of points. Their their fans are still pissed they lost to Michigan two weeks ago. Yeah, no, it, it it doesn't. People at these schools have outsized expectations, including Texas. I right. mean, you know, there, yes, there are days when things are all great, like when Mac Brown had it going or when Daryl Royal did, but it, it's not. Everybody always wants more, right? And, and look, and I want to give Baylor, I want to give Rule and Scott Drew credit, though, because they do deserve credit at the yes. same time. No the doubt. Scandal, they came in after awful scandals, both of them. Scott Drew won a national championship. It took him a long time to do it, but damn, is that impressive. I had a college assistant who's been a friend of mine in basketball for, I don't know, 17 years say that's the most impressive coaching job he's ever seen because of, he was in the Big 12 at the time and knew exactly what Drew got into. Um, and he won a national championship. And Matt Rule comes in after everything and got to the Big 12 championship. So those guys did an incredible job and deserve credit for that. And from a Texas fan's perspective, you're like, well, if Matt Rule can't do it, if Matt Rule can do it, why can't Texas? I get the question. I, I don't have an issue with the question. Um, I think, it. you know, look, here it is. Here's the reality. Sark needs to go win a road game in 10 days. Yep. I, I agree. All right. Here we go. How hard is it for the guys to cancel outside noise, positive and negative this day and age? I think it's impossible. 
It's impossible if you get on your phone. <laughs> I just think it's impossible. <laughs> I mean, completely cancel it. Um, impossible. Compartmentalize it is a different story. It, it, I think it comes down to two things. It, do you truly have the ability to stay off of social media? And the answer to that is zero no. But for the one or two guys that can, then yeah. I, I, I just the only, think, I think that, the only way to block out noise nowadays is to stay off social media. Period. Yeah, I, I think that it's impossible. Um, and I think that, you know, it's I will say this as a former student at the University of Texas, those guys go to class. Right. They're, they know when they're getting patted on the back from fans. Yeah. It's not like they're, it's not like they're just driving in and parking in the, in the uh, player parking lot and not visiting class. I mean, they're not J Johnny Manziel and have five or two uh, online courses, you know, or whatever he did yeah. when he was trying to finish up. These guys, these guys have to go to class. They know when the people around them are really cheery with him and, and I cheery with them and when they're not. Uh, so I, I feel it, like it's impossible. The best thing you can teach players is to compartmentalize it. Right. But, and here's the other thing. We're now in the NIL space and day and age. You Social media is very important for these kids building their brand. So they're not going to be able to walk away from it. I mean, that's just a reality, right? So that's the good and the bad. The good with, with NIL is you get a chance to build your brand. The bad with NIL is you have to stick it out when it goes bad on the field. And I think that's one of the most interesting parts of NIL. And I've said this, I can't imagine, I think basketball is easier, but I can't imagine how hard it is to be division one football coach right now in the NIL space, because it, it, the pressure is amped up more than ever. The magnifying glass more than ever. Um, every win and loss matters even that much more because of NIL. And I, I think it's a different world for these kids and coaches. It, it is. And, and we don't know what the, what the ramifications are yet, right? right? We don't truly know it. Um, want to want to say thank you to our sponsor, then take a couple more questions. Uh, Energy Texas. Energy Texas is for Texans by Texans. Uh, when Energy Texas uh, becomes your energy provider, you're dealing with and calling people in the state of Texas, not back east, not overseas, Texans. We're proud to be from the greatest state in the union and prouder still to be fighting for the little guy against big power. Uh, here we go. This one for you, Jerry. Yep. I, 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 you want me to take that or no? Um, no, I'll take it. Okay. Yeah. Um, Quinn's put it on the board against Alabama um, before he got injured. Played really well against Oklahoma. Um, there's going to be growing pains with young quarterbacks. It's just going to happen. Um, Troy O'Meara, the thing you don't know unless you're there, there on a day-to-day -day basis is how does he cut? I mean, can he get out of a break cleanly and not mess up the timing in the passing game? And if the answer is no, you don't, you can't play him. Yeah. I mean, here, here's my point on that. And this is where I, I come out on it. it. If he can't get open, it doesn't matter. Right. You know, and so, uh, now, if you're playing against zone coverage, maybe that's a different and you're playing off coverage. I, I can see where you're going with it. But um, generally speaking, I, I don't know that that's uh, where it's going to be at. Um, a couple more questions here that kind of really quick. And this one, tough one. Uh, do you do you think Texas defensive struggles are the players scheming or PK coaching style? And I, I love how people 
when Texas do, does well, well, Gary Patterson fixed that. When Texas doesn't do well, it's the PK coaching style. So let's all let's all be consistent. It is the Texas defense, not just the PK defense, right? Yeah. Um, I You know, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to see him take I, – I would love to see him uh, take away the inside leverage a little bit like Rod Babers is saying. Yeah. I mean, I, I spoke with somebody today and said, um, if you don't know we're running slants, then I don't know what they tell you, and they didn't take away our slants. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. No, that makes sense. Um, all right. Texas fans have historically expected their uh, football program to be honorable and traditional. No recruiting signals, singing the eyes of Texas at the end of the game as, as the great Longhorn bands play. All right, I want to take this one on because I I'm I have some insight into this that maybe hasn't been shared publicly uh, with others. Sark owned up to it because he made a mistake because he was pissed off. This wasn't politically motivated. It wasn't, oh, in some kind of issue he made a mistake said i'm sorry if if it happens again yeah but this has not been something that happened four times or five or six times in a row like with tom herman so let's be let's be clear about that this isn't the same thing and trying to equate it to that uh is not uh is not the same thing no no players boycotted it because of, of this or that or anything like that and it wasn't just one player out there sam ellinger staying it was the other guys that had other other people also on the field with them and so they out stayed out there i just i feel like people are trying to make too much of that in a time where we make too much too much of some things right um it's not a it would be one it would be different i think if if it were purposeful or meant that way or he was trying to get out of it or whatever that's not that wasn't that wasn't the motivation it was just he was pissed off and didn't even think about it. If he would have thought about it, he would have stayed. He was just he was pissed off. So uh, I think that that's only fair. And and uh, you know you get you, everybody gets one. I mean, right? If he does it next week in at Kansas State, then, you know that's a different story. Uh, but I just I feel like it's a big nothing burger. I don't know about you, Jerry. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a bad look. But at the time, like like you said, though, I mean, look. W- w- we sit here and talk about Sarks one and six on the road against power five teams. The offense sputters in the second half. You think that you think we're talking about it? What do you think it does to him? Yeah, that's exactly right. You think we want, you think fans want to win more than him? I mean, those guys don't get into coaching to lose. No. And, And look, he's had a, he's got a really great second opportunity to be a head coach after some really bad stuff happened. Right. And he, he knows, what's on the line for him as a head coach at Texas bottom line. Yep. Uh, one more Jalen Ford has been a beast and this is East eighth street. Uh, uh, wrote a wrote this before, and this was uh, his response to that. Um, they don't have eye awareness. They don't check route stems as they drop. I tell you what you're there. I watched a little bit of that, uh, yesterday or this morning I, I mentioned i rewatched the game and i was actually looking at uh drops not only for uh, jalen ford uh but also uh for demarvian overshone overshone when attached is really really good when he's playing in space against the pass he's really really bad um ford does not know when a receiver 
is flattening out or when he's running at an angle. Um, can that be taught? Yes. Uh, but at the same time, it's it's learned over time and something you got to drill. And our guys uh, right now are not doing it perfectly. Should be said, not everybody is doing it perfectly either. So we have to be on the watch for that uh, as we go. Uh, Jerry, anything else you want to add before we get going here tonight? No, I think, uh, you know, uh, I put out the 10 most wanted recruits uh, this morning on the uh, Inside Texas. Um, broke the Johnny Bowens news that he's in contact with Texas. And I think the recruiting is uh, moving forward. Um, I, I think the uh, there's Texas needs to win three or four of these battles late from the high school level. Uh, but I, I And I think they will win their share, uh, assuming they go out and win two or three more games this year. Um, but I think the portal is going to be the story uh, in – for us after the season um, in the recruiting world, because look, this is, you know, year three is a big year for Sark. Um, and, and they know they're putting, they put a lot of right pieces in place. Um, and now they have to go put a few more on the defensive side of the ball. And, and, and that's really what I'm looking towards. And on the football field, it's how, it's how Quinn responds to his first really bad game. I it, whether it's win, whether, what it doesn't matter. It was his first bad game. And quarterbacks are going to have bad games. It's just going to happen. Point TJ Ford turned the ball over ten times in a college game. He's a Naismith Player of the Year. It's going to happen, right? It's how you respond to it. Uh, I think the last four games are really big for Quinn um, headed into the off season and next season because if he plays well, if he responds, responds, rebounds, plays well, puts up some numbers. Texas wins three games here to end the season, whether that's eight and five in a bowl or eight and four regular season plus a bowl game. I mean. There's a lot of things in front of Texas next year, so I, I think those are the, th the the my takeaways right now. All right, I want to I want to end with this because I think we hit on something late uh, that's worth uh, remembering. We are just spot dropping. You have to have I completely agree. Uh, just so you know, in talking about in respect to linebackers in coverage, that there is no question that that's the case. They weren't. People have to realize this is their first true year in this scheme in some ways. They did not have time last year in the spring, a, a year and a half ago in the spring, to even have true spring training because of the pandemic. So remember that um, as you go forward and, and, and think about that. All right. Uh, we'll talk about this more and talk uh, more Texas football tomorrow. Uh, I have the state of the program with Eric Nalin, publisher of InsideTexas.com. Uh, Jerry and I will probably be back here together on Friday morning or Friday afternoon, excuse me for another chat with you guys. Please join us then. Uh, for now, this has been uh, Bobby Burton and Jerry Hamilton on Texas Football. Thanks for joining us.